Welcome to Inside Independent Publishing with IBPA. I'm Christopher Locke, your host, and I'm also the IBPA Director of Membership and Member Services. All right, so social media platforms can be a great way to build your independent publishing brand and garner exposure for your books. But how do you turn all these followers on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and so on into lifelong fans of your books? Lulu's VP of Marketing, Matt Briel, will share tips about how independent publishers can get most out of social media as well as advice about how to improve your newsletter. Matt, welcome. Thank you, Christopher. Good to be here. All right. So I want to start off kind of broadly with like there are all these social media platforms out there. We've got TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, um, whichever ones you want to uh, mention. And indie publishers only have so much time to publish and market their books. So first, I just want to see like for indie publishers, like out of all these, which do you think are the best way to get the word out about the books? And then which do you think are not quite as useful? Yeah, that's a good question. We hear that a lot too from from our indie publishers, especially the early ones who are just starting out. Um, I think for us and what we've seen, and I think is also echoed out there right now in terms of the marketing world, that any of the channels can be useful, especially the big four that you that you started mentioning there. Um, the real key is knowing where your target audience is hanging out, and so um, it's really going to depend on you know, especially if you're a, a, a niche or genre publisher and and you stick to one or two genres, knowing where those groups and audiences hang out is really going to inform your social strategy and which channel you really go all in on. Um, so, you know, any of them can be useful. Uh, very few channels, you know, to this day are tolerant of brands or organizations uh, that kind of come into the platform and really just put themselves front and center and and make it obvious that they're just looking for transactions. Um, and so for independent publishers, you know, the other key thing to to, to know here up front is that you really need to where you can lean on your authors and creators and their social followings, um, but try to talk through them um, and with them and as them on your channels and make sure that there is an, an involved as possible, um, especially if they're already active on a particular channel. But, you know, the four big ones that we that we that were mentioned here, um, Instagram has been amazing for any types of content that deal with art photography, cooking especially, has absolutely blown up on Instagram. So if you're creating books and content around cooking and wellness, um, Instagram is a great channel for an indie publisher to really try to carve a niche for themselves there if they're publishing a lot of that kind of content. Um, Instagram is also really good for personal development type content, life coaching, things like that. Um, but really anything that's highly visual or lifestyle oriented, again, you know, health and wellness, personal development, stuff like that. Um, and I think what a lot of people really enjoy right now is there's a lot of tools and things out there where you can start experimenting with uh, influencer marketing on Instagram really easily. Uh, there's a tool called Shoutcart. You know, you can go and you can choose from certain influencers that happen to have audiences within your sort of niche or vertical. Uh, and it's pretty easy to buy a shout out from them for a particular book or a brand or something like that. And um, it's a really good, inexpensive way to experiment with uh, influencer marketing, which you know has its pros and cons, and everybody has their opinions there. But Instagram, it's really easy to do that with. So, a lot of brands that are um, uh, indie publishers and people who are focusing on very visual or lifestyle-oriented types of content, um, and, and some fiction, obviously too. But Instagram really is a very visual channel. So, um, and then you know you have Twitter. Um, Twitter's a great channel, but uh, I think a lot of people already know this. Some won't, but 
as an indie publisher, if you are primarily focusing on some form of fiction, um, Twitter might not be your best bet. It's it's a very nonfiction oriented and dominated space. Um, and, and the flip side of that is if you are focused on nonfiction um, types of content, business, education, finance, marketing, especially, if you're publishing content like that, if you have a lot of authors um, in your portfolio that, that publish that kind of content, Twitter is a great place. Um, one of the only channels where some of their, their ads and things still pay off fairly well if you do it well. Um, I lump LinkedIn with Twitter as well. A lot of people don't think about LinkedIn, especially in their marketing mix, um, especially indie publishers. But again, if you are publishing content that is in the nonfiction realm, especially around those topics I just named, LinkedIn has become a, a real hotspot again. Uh, it went through a, a pretty pretty big lull for a while, but um, a lot of people are having good success on LinkedIn right now. Uh, Facebook. Uh, not so much. <laughs> so uh, Facebook has definitely, um, uh, I think, sunk to, to the bottom here. Um, that doesn't mean that some people aren't still having success on Facebook. But I think for the most part, whether you use Facebook personally or for other reasons, I'm sure you've seen this to some degree. Um, most people are experiencing it to larger degrees, but it really has just become a place dominated by opinionated conversations, political ads, things like that. And you know, unless that's really your realm, which is not most people, it, it's just not something that would benefit you putting a bunch of time into. And as you said, indie publishers, indie authors, we don't we don't have a lot of time to to spend on these things. So you really want to focus your time and effort and resources where you're going to get maximum payoff. The the one genre or area where uh, Facebook is still doing pretty well, at least speaking from you know the the small publishers and other people that use Lulu. Uh, and then kind of what we hear out there in the, the marketplace is that religious oriented content uh, still does fairly well on Facebook. But again, if you're if you're looking into paid ads there, it's it's getting worse and worse. So organically, you might be able to do some good from a religious and spiritual content standpoint on Facebook. But outside of that, people are really migrating to other platforms right now. Um, and then lastly, the, the the big elephant in the room, right, which I'm sure we'll talk about more because everybody's talking about it is TikTok. Um, and so, you know, if you fall into that that range of of publishers that publishes a lot of YA or romance, um, TikTok can be a good channel for you. Uh, if you've not started on TikTok yet, um, I do want to wish you good luck and Godspeed. Uh, however, uh, it can be done, um, but it has become a, a place where everybody wants to be, but almost, almost nobody sort of navigates it successfully these days for a lot of reasons uh which again i'm sure we'll get into um but it is it is one of the big four and and you can get in there um but yeah so that's kind of the breakdown of how we see people using those four channels uh within their their reach as an independent publisher or or an author publisher who is who is helping other authors um you know ideally anybody who's who's outside of publishing just one title yeah you mentioned TikTok, and it does seem that the people on TikTok. They value it being uh, like them being the ones that are creating the content and talking about the books rather than some publisher coming in and saying, here's the books you need to read. Um, they almost kind of want people like to like leave them alone and let, you know, let them. So and then I know like like you were saying, you could do ads to an influencer. But, um, you know, are there ways that uh, like, you know, uh, independent publishers and or they independent publishers can get their authors 
to go on to TikTok and be successful without it feeling too salesy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that that is the strategy, right? Like to, to focus on TikTok for a few minutes here. If, if you're one of those independent publishers or, or you know, you want to get into the TikTok, the, the whole book talk uh, hashtag movement and everything else, you really need to do some research before you jump in there. Um, again, it can be done, but I would back up a step and I'd say first, you know, you don't have to be on every channel and you shouldn't be. You really should evaluate whether or not TikTok is going to be a good channel for your content. Um, I know a lot of indie publishers focus on one or two genres specifically. And so, again, if your genre focus really isn't romance or YA or, you know, a little bit of sci-fi and fantasy, um, you really should think hard about TikTok. However, that being said, you're absolutely right that the reason book talk as a hashtag, as a movement has become so successful is because viewers crave authenticity and so, like I said earlier, when a brand tries to jump onto a social media channel and, and start talking about themselves and their brand, their their publishing company, you know, their whatever they do, that comes off as very inauthentic for most users. It's just another piece of white noise in their feed and they're going to scroll right past it. But when you get somebody in your feed that that is just another person talking about this amazing book and how that book made them feel so connected to to that world or that author or, or whatever that might be. That's a whole nother story. And so as an, as an indie publisher, if you can get your creators and authors, um, you know, especially if they already have an audience there, but if they don't, if you can get them, if you can motivate them to, to start a TikTok account um, and, and obviously link back to the publisher brand or something, you know, in their bio and things like that, it, it, it's okay to be clear that this is my publishing company that I, I publish through. But as an author, as a creator, you want to be on there and show up as authentically as possible. Um, and you want to really, the, the goal is there's to build trust, you know, and user generated content does that so well because we trust other people's opinions of products, brands and experiences way more than we trust the brand or the product owner themselves talking about it. And so, yeah, that phenomenon of user generated content is the sole reason why book talk took off. People love to talk about a great book or a movie. Books are just having their their spot in the limelight right now. And it happens to be on TikTok. It won't always be the case, by the way, um, but absolutely user-generated content is the number one way to get on TikTok and, and try to be successful. Um, you can't get around that. Yeah, and you mentioned about like, for example, like lulls and like things like LinkedIn and then Facebook is not working as well now. So I think one of the problems is like, there's always some new super hot platform and then publishers are like, oh, I just learned how to use this last one. Um, and maybe they've built up a nice big following on there. And so then um, I guess the question for you is like, at what point do you like abandon a platform and then go, okay, this is just not working? Or how, like, should you keep trying to figure out the new algorithm to get your things to show up? Yeah, absolutely. So you definitely, there's there comes a point in time where you want to, to say, um, you should do everything with some consist consistency. But again, you should be able to tell like, okay, I've given this the the old college try and it is, it's just not paying off. You shouldn't necessarily gauge follower count as a measurement for success, but you should understand, you know, as, as, a, as a business owner, as a publisher, you should understand uh, what the conversion rates are looking like and, and where they're trending for yourself and your content and your sales ultimately, because at the end of the day, that's really what you're trying to accomplish. Um, 
don't go two, three, four months with, you know, dwindling to no sales. Absolutely. You know, find a platform that works better for you. Chances are, if you've given it a really good run for a couple of months and you're just not moving the needle, it's it's not going to happen, at least not with the current strategy you're using and maybe not a strategy at all. Um, but again, channels are very specific to types of content and genres. So that's where stepping back and like we were talking about earlier, making sure you really do some good research up front about the channel you want to start off with, or if you're already into a channel, and like you said, maybe feeling like, maybe I should pull the plug, but I'm scared to, um, you should not be afraid to. You absolutely should should cut your losses whenever. Um, a big following doesn't always guarantee sales. Yeah. Uh, the, the goal should be to, if you are experiencing a, a growth and following, great. But you should always have that long-term goal of funneling them over to your website and ultimately getting them into your your email contacts list. Um, you know, low follower accounts can can by sometimes produce better sales results. We have um, small publishers and even indie creators on our site where, you know, they're in that 500 to 1500 follower range, but they've managed to, to acquire and secure and engage dedicated fans, um, you know, and so when they do put out a new book every other month or whatever it might be, if they're a serial fiction writer, or a publishing company that's got a release cycle of one or two per month. Um, if you've got those heavily engaged fans, even at a low follower account, you can see much better sales rates than somebody who had 50,000 followers that were only mildly interested in the content you're publishing. Um, but either way, the last part of what you said, that is the the key piece is, is trying to get those followers over to your platform, whatever that might be, whether that is a website or whether that is a blog, essentially, with, with a built-in email list uh, builder tool. Um, you really just want to secure those followers uh, to be agnostic of these social media platforms at the end of the day. Uh, and the ones that do follow you, by the way, the ones that you can successfully get to come over, that's where your sales are going to come from. You might get a few like spontaneous flash-in-the-pan sales from, from people who are not big fans, but ultimately, you know, obviously, as a small publisher or an indie creator, you want to secure that recurring sort of revenue model. You want those engaged fans and you want to build that community around your content. So don't be afraid to pull the plug if it's not working. We've had to do that several times. Um, to a degree, we've had to shift our strategy at times and and see a follower loss of 10,000. And, you know, it, it can be scary, obviously, but by the end of the, or the, the end of that experiment, you know, we're in a better place because you know, we made that pivot, we did the research, and now we're better serving the audiences that are right for us. And that's always the key. If you're not providing value, you, you're not going to acquire new and you're going to lose existing. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, because that's such an important point about the idea of having tons of followers, but that doesn't mean it, it's going to directly lead to a bunch of books. And you were saying you really want to get those followers to then get to your website and then sign up for your newsletter. So I wanted to see like, we were talking about not seeming too salesy. Like, how do you do that where you're like, hey, come to our website, sign up for a newsletter without it being like, hey, we're trying to pull you away from here and get sales. Like, what, what are some ways to make it seem like, you know, you're you're going to give them, I guess, value or something if they do that? Yeah, that's a great question. We hear that one a lot, too. And, and the number one easiest way to really migrate your followers from these social media platforms over to your your publishing site or or whatever that happens to be that you're using as your home base 
is the idea of exclusivity and belonging. And you hear it a lot right now, especially you, Christopher, being in marketing. But this idea of community is a really hot buzzword right now, building community. Um, it has many different definitions, but you know, the basic definition is is exactly what it says, is building that community for longevity. Uh, readers, customers, however you want to label them, at the end of the day, they're no different than you and I. They just want to feel connected to something or somebody that they find value and enjoyment in and entertainment. So um, exclusivity is the easiest way to do that. It doesn't mean it's a surefire and, and a 100% guaranteed way, but you will find that most true fans of the authors on your platform will come over to your main hub when you dangle exclusivity in front of them, when you dangle uh, this this sort of FOMO, right? This fear of missing out. So while you can have fun on your social media channels and continue to build and acquire and grow new follower counts, the key to keeping them and getting them over to your main hub and platform is talking about things like, you know, be the first to know when you know, Colleen Hoover comes out with her next book, right? Or uh, offering exclusivity in other ways whereby they're not going to get that if they're not part of that that main hub, that main platform. Mm. Uh, that's been the number one way that I think people are having the most success. But we've also seen people sort of layering on this sort of transparency to what they do and just having very honest conversations socially by saying, listen, you know, we would love to have you over in our community here. There are a lot of benefits that come with being part of this community, um, you know, but also understand that, you know, we're an independent publishing company. We work with independent authors and creators. And by supporting us directly, you have, you know, a direct tie and investment into the success of this platform and our creators and authors. And if you love so-and-so or if you love the work by this person or if you love, you know, Please consider coming over to, to and signing up for our, our email newsletter list or however it is you're securing those. Um, you'll find that people are very open to that. They'll, they'll migrate. It's not, you know, but the flip side to that is, you know, you talk about balancing the content there. You have to provide the value you're promising. Don't just say, hey, we're going to give you these exclusives or we're going to give you these hot takes or whatever it might be and then not deliver on that, you know. That's that's almost worse than just leaving them over on that social media channel and just trying to convert them there uh, for sales. If, if you provide the value, though, you know, sky's the limit. Yeah, because I was going to ask about the newsletter itself then. You know, you've got all these people signed up. And again, you don't want to be too salesy. Not like every newsletter can just be, hey, here's a book, buy it. Um, so for indie publishers and newsletters, like what are the types of things that they're also including that feels like it's you know good content that people just would want to learn about um, that's not just buy my book? Absolutely. Some of the most popular content to, to add into those emails, um, of course, you want to promote any new releases that are coming out or you know, you've got a couple titles in your backlist that are doing really well right now for whatever reason. So of course, you want to highlight those, but don't lead with those. Um, the content that is performing really well for I'm speaking from a handful of power users we have on Lulu that are doing really well right now. What they're doing is they're doing a lot of behind the scenes content in their email newsletters with their creators and authors. And so they might focus on a particular author for that newsletter and they give a little bit of behind the scenes, you know, a small interview, a couple of questions, maybe a few pictures of what that author likes to do when they're not writing or creating. Um, but again, this all revolves around that idea of building a community and people wanting to feel engaged and invested. So to the extent that your authors 
are comfortable providing some of that, right? Giving the, those readers and those customers sort of that look behind the curtain. That's been working really well. Um, you can also provide content in there around the craft of um, how these authors sort of create their books. Um, there's a lot of other things you could do uh, that add value um, by talking about external things going on uh, in the world right now that are also parallel to to your brand or sort of, you know, your your publishing company has some sort of a mission, ethos and brand, right? There are things that are going on out there that are probably parallel uh, to what it is you guys represent or stand for. So there's a lot of content you can come up with that will keep that balance so that at the end of that email, you can ask for the purchase, you can ask for that sale. Um, but just the simple act of selling direct alone, you will see increases in your conversion rates because again, people equate that with feeling connected. And when they when you feel like you're supporting somebody directly, it makes you feel better than if you just bought their product or book or whatever that might be off of eBay or Amazon or somewhere else. We we all know how the world works, and so I know that if I buy, you know, a T-shirt from somebody directly from them from their website. They're getting 100% of the profits from that, more than likely. But I know, conversely, if I buy that T-shirt from a vendor on Amazon, I know that that creator is not going to get all of those profits. And if I really like them, if I want to support them, I'm going to feel better buying it direct. So the very nature of offering those products direct, you're going to see an increase in conversion rates. We've not seen a case where somebody didn't. But if you do a good job of balancing the content as well, you're going to maintain the life of that email list. And and that's going to make it easier to grow it because the way you grow an email list outside of just migrating people from your social channels is through word of mouth. People love to forward really good emails to other people. I get them all the time. I'm sure you get some too. You know, the inbox is a very sacred space these days, right? That's probably one of the most personal spaces that we work in and out of every single day on our phones or our laptops. So people love to forward really good emails. If you make those emails very valuable and fun, um, play around with you know some of your subject lines and make sure that they're they're fun and that they drive people to open those emails. Play around with the the language and the footer of your email and make it a lot of fun. Um, uh, we've seen a lot of really cool and crafty uh, uh, things come out of email footers. Um, a lot of the email programs will also provide a way for you for a reader to forward that email and you can see when it's been forwarded. And, and try to convert that person it was forwarded to. So it really is a balance, like you said, but if you can build, maintain, and grow an email list, that will become the backbone of your sales pipeline, You know, whether it's in the very near future or two years from now. But it is probably one of the best long-term bets you can place on your content and your business right now. Yeah, and I wanted to ask about, so margins are pretty tight when it comes to publishing. So when it comes to a newsletter, is there some type of expectation that there will be like special discounts or things? Or if things are like full price, like people are like, yeah, I'll pay the full price. Because uh, again, like, you know, if you're always offering all these discounts at some point, you're like, well, I just made 50 cents on that book. Yeah, no, another really great question. So and that's especially important for us, right? Because we're kind of a middleman in this picture for a lot of our users. Um, and so we're very cognizant of price sensitive organizations where their margins are very small, which I mean, like you said, that's most people these days, thanks to supply chain issues. And um, I think that, again, 
when you're selling direct, when you're working directly with somebody, there is an understanding there that that you're dealing directly with the creator, artist, author, small business owner. Um, most people we found these days have an understanding of what's going on in the world right now as it relates to supply chain and, and shipping and all those things. Um, so again, out of the gate, I think you already get a little bit of a reprieve there. Uh, if you're not going to offer a promotion or a discount or something like that, but I would I would take it a step further and say um, most independent publishers are, have already been dealing with this, right? If you have titles in distro, which everybody does, you're already dealing with you people taking cuts of your money. You can you can lessen that fractionally right out of the gate by by trying to switch some of this over to selling direct through your email list. Um, when you do that, you're already increasing profits and margins. Whereby if you do want to offer a little percent off, maybe for the first time, you know, a uh, uh, set of users to your email list, a, a 10%, because you're selling that that book, ebook, print book, whatever it is direct, you're already not selling it through distro. So you're gaining back all of what you were already losing initially. Offering a small 10%, if you want to, is actually still not going to hurt you. And in fact, your bottom line and margins are going to be better. That being said, you know, there is nothing wrong with not offering discounts and promotions. There's nothing wrong with saying, this is what the content is worth to the author, to the publisher. This is what we feel um, really represents uh, what we've created here. And, and again, when you're dealing directly, it's because people want to support you and, and they're not going to come back or push back and say, oh, $15.99, how about $13? They're just not going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And then for the newsletter, um, you know, Mailchimp is a popular one. Like, what what are your thoughts about like the way to get the newsletter out? Are there is that still the, the big one, or are there there are better ones out there? So there are a lot of tools out there that you can use. Um, Mailchimp obviously is one that a lot of people are familiar with, and it is a popular one. Um, we actually used Mailchimp for a little while. I would tell you there are better ones to use, and Again, this is my opinion, but we've definitely used several different email platforms. Um, MailChimp is one of those that started growing, I think, faster than they were able to, to handle. And somewhere along the way, I think that's impacted the small business owner in a, in a sort of negative way. But nonetheless, don't take my word for it. If you've heard good things about MailChimp, try it out. I will tell you, though, that uh, a lot of email platforms these days are sprinkling in other uh, marketing capabilities and functionality. Um, and there are some really good ones out there that are designed for, you know, creators, individual authors, um, small businesses, small publishers, things like that, where they really understand uh, sort of the mechanics and logistics of what it is you do. Uh, there are brands like ConvertKit. Um, Send in Blue is another one. Clavio is who we use now, um, but those are all three, and there are more, by the way, but those are three good ones maybe to start your research on, uh, where they not only do email and list building really well, and there's a lot of flexible options for where you can put email captures on your website or other places. Um, tools like ConvertKit, for example, uh, ConvertKit was founded and built by a creator. Um, uh, this tool, this platform has a lot of really amazing features that independent publishers and creators can use to help not only grow their email lists, but their business in general. They've incorporated a lot of things. Most recently, they've incorporated some e-commerce integrations, which as everybody starts moving more and more to selling direct, 
um, it just becomes that much more important to have those integrations and abilities to tie in or plug into those things. So I would say, sure, do your research on MailChimp and see if it works for you. But at the end of the day, there are better tools. Um, and, and those three that I named are a good place to start. Um, ConvertKit, once again, is priced really well for the small business owner. They, I think they have like something like a 30-day free trial versus the usual 7 or 14 that people offer. But Send in Blue is another one that has really good reputation. I know people that use that, brands and other businesses, and they've had good luck with it. And then, like I said, we recently made the switch to a, a tool called Clavio, um, and, and we like it a lot. But we send we send a lot more email probably than most of your, your publishers listening to this. But nonetheless, it, it's a great tool. And it does have some of those other things like the ability to start incorporating SMS messaging into your, your platform, you know, which um, has its drawbacks, but also has its benefits. So I would say, yeah, MailChimp is one. Um, but it's very easy to research these platforms and look for one that's going to give you more than just some simple email and list building tools. Um, and look for one that is going to, um, there's several different pricing models. Some will want to charge you according to how many contacts you have, how many email addresses you you have in your, your database there. But some will charge you according to how many emails you want to send. Look at how you're growing. Look at what your current sort of roster and count is for contacts. But look at your projected growth too, or what you want to hit. You know, if, if by the end of 2023, you say, I want to have, you know, 25,000 contacts to, to email to, then take that into consideration when you're looking at pricing and what that may cost you holding that many contacts. Um, some will charge you also whether you're holding inactive or active contacts. So be, be conscious of that. But I think those are three great platforms to start your research with. And I know people have used all of them. We've used one of them. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three. Yeah, and I hadn't heard of those, so I, thanks. Yeah, that old, I'll, I will look into those. Um, so I, you mentioned, I want to go back to social media platforms for a second because you mentioned about the advertising on them, and I was wondering about you, your thoughts of the effectiveness of the advertising because uh, you know you're saying you're focusing on getting people to your personal newsletter, and you know that's those are the, where the sales are and such. So. In that sense, maybe you don't need to do the advertising or maybe it's not as effective. Um, but what are your thoughts? So advertising on social media, and I'll, I'll tell you from our perspective, you know, as, as Lulu, we spend a lot of money, obviously, on different types of advertising and different channels. Um, but again, we've been talking a lot to a lot of our small publishers and, and creators who, who put through a lot of volume. Um, about their experiences with paid advertising. And the general the, the general sentiment right now, paid advertising as a whole. So again, you know, the the idea that you go to Facebook and have some paid ads there around your content or um, you know, even some some paid display advertising through Google, you know, to get away from social. But either way, as a whole is becoming less and less effective um, and will more than likely get worse in 2023. As Google looks to do away with, you know, the access and ability for third-party cookies and things like that, um, your ability to target uh, lessons, you know. Um, so I, I, a lot of people are pulling their paid ad budgets and uh, repurposing those funds for other types of marketing um, and other ways to get their content in front of people. Um, the, the other piece to that is, you know, you can run all the paid ads you want, but as some people have probably seen that are listening right now, 
Um, when a social media platform makes a change to their algorithm, um, in many cases, this also affects the paid ads on that platform. Um, and sometimes you, you may not have changed anything, but your ads are getting seen less, or they might get seen more, but get less click-throughs. Uh, because again, maybe the platform's algorithm changed up the way that that ad appears within what you originally specified as your target audience. Uh, it may have broadened it, which is what happened to a lot of people um, not too long ago. It, it broadened the the audience and categories that you were trying to target. So you got a lot more views and, you know, people woke up that morning. They were like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Look, we just doubled our our, our views, our impressions. And later that day or the end of the week, when they go in to look at their click-through rates and conversions, those were actually less than normal. Um, because when you broaden that audience, uh, especially, you know, without purpose, uh, you're just getting in front of people that never had an intent to click on that ad or buy anyways. And so it is just expand. So I would say paid ads be careful with because they are becoming less and less effective. Most people listening right now, if they've been running them, they probably are already seeing this. But I'll tell you, nobody thinks it's going to get any better. And in 2023, it's definitely going to get worse with the loss of third party cookies. Good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask, you see the behind the scenes at Lulu of reader buying decisions. Um, and I wanted to see you know, if you have any statistics, you know, predictions, things about uh, or tips for any publishers about the kind of stuff you've been seeing. Yeah. So what we get in the way of reader buying decisions comes in a very limited form because for Lulu, a lot of our authors and publishers, they use distribution through us. So that's a separate channel where those metrics roll up in a different way. If they also offer their titles on the lulu.com bookstore, which a lot do, then we absolutely have that data for sure. Um, and then we have that other side of our business where we focus on empowering people to sell direct, which is the larger section of our business at this point or where we're seeing the most growth, I should say. So from the lulu.com bookstore standpoint, which you know, there's hundreds of thousands of titles in there. But um, from a, a buying perspective, what we're seeing is that that's starting to dwindle a little bit. And, and the browse traffic there has definitely died down. The traffic that is coming to that bookstore and buying books, they are coming through direct links that, that authors and publishers are posting on their site or somewhere else. Um, we're, we're seeing a lot less browse traffic. And I think most online retailers are seeing that as well. People are now more than ever coming for a very specific book. And if you're not getting really good at offering other suggestions with that purchase, you're only going to make the transaction for that book that they came for. Um, so that's something we're seeing start to dwindle is browse traffic. We're seeing a lot more traffic that has a purpose and intent. Um, and in some cases, that leads to increased revenue. But in many cases, that browse traffic was providing more. Um, the flip side to that is if you're very savvy with cart abandonment and how to automate those types of things, um, that's getting a lot easier to, to perpetuate and take care of. Uh, but what we are seeing is, as I, I mentioned earlier, the, the business lines we have in place where we allow and empower people to sell direct, that growth rate is crazy, like upwards of 30% over last year. And last year was upwards of 50% over the previous year. Um, and those are pretty hard, fast numbers when we talk about revenue and growth. Um, and so, you know, we have these lines where you can, you can facilitate selling direct and building that community. And again, we think a lot of that is due to the fact that readers, they'll spend more money when they feel connected to 
you know, the author that you're, you're publishing, you know, if you have 20 authors in your portfolio, um, most of which focus on a specific genre or something like that, when you can create that direct connection between them and their readers, and there's not this intermediary in between, like, you know, Amazon or booksamillion.com or, or one of those things, it does feel more personal. It feels, it feels like you're, you're contributing to this particular community built up around this publishing company or these authors in specific. Um, so, you know, just like you and me and everybody else, more and more, we realize we have way more choices. And, and because of the technology that exists now, and this sort of onset of, of creators and authors becoming more entrepreneurial in what they do, we know we can connect more directly. And we, we don't want to feel like just another transaction to a brand. It's not, we don't really get much out of it except for what it is we're purchasing. So unless you're just highly price sensitive and conscious of that, and you're going specifically to, you know, one of these mega retailers because you just want a good price. Most people these days want to feel more engaged and connected with the creators and authors that they love. Um, and again, you know, that's the, that's the behavior we're seeing. Uh, metrics around some of that behavior I can't really share right now, but we are going to start publishing as a private company. We've made the decision we're going to start publishing a lot of those metrics at the end of each year uh, as we look to support people more in their endeavors to sell direct. Uh, but we do build all of that into our sales dashboards. So overall, what we're seeing is less browse activity, a lot more sales with purpose and intent, you know, people coming directly to a particular product page because an author or publisher linked to it. Uh, but above and beyond that, our biggest growth sectors right now by, you know, really fun and amazing percentages are those direct lines that we've been innovating yeah. and pushing out. Yeah, and I wanted to see, so you, we talked about TikTok, that's the hot one right now, but there's always something new on the horizon. Is there any social media platform that is kind of building right now that you're like, you know, watch out for that, that's gonna be the new cool one? You know, somebody asked me this not too long ago too, um, and it was a fun conversation. It went on way longer than we have time for, but. I think the short answer is not really. And and the conversation I was in previously, it, it seemed to always come back to this idea that there are the big four right now. Um, and regardless of, you know, what you do and, and, you know, whatever genre you work in or vertical, one of those four probably does pretty well for you to a degree. If you're doing it with any consistency and any real genuine uh, sort of approach, one of those is going to work out for you, if not multiples. So there does seem to be, or there does feel like there's this kind of like plateau that's been hit so far over the last probably year to year and a half, where previously we were seeing a lot of things coming out, like, you know, Clubhouse had its 15 minutes of, of fame and uh, Twitter Spaces, you know, tried to do that Clubhouse model. Um, we see other things that are there, um, probably not so much so for independent publishers, things like Twitch. Um, is still gaining a lot of ground, but very specific to the world of gaming and, and other things similar to that, where live streaming is the more important format. Um, I will tell you, though, that uh, one of the things that I do hear of often, and I've looked into this, and it looks like a pretty cool platform, although I don't have much in, in terms of numbers of their growth, but it does. I'm hearing more and more about it as a, a platform called Be Real. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but the the fun part of Be Real is that they're sort of uh, marketing themselves as kind of an anti-Instagram in such a way where uh, it's not, there's not a ton of filters and things for you to sort of 
give off this vibe that you're you know on a tropical island somewhere and it's 80 degrees and breezy be real is is this this platform where at some certain point in the day it'll prompt you and say hey within the next two minutes you need to take a photo and post it you know whatever that might be and what it does is it snaps a photo with your front and rear facing cameras so the post that's being made is not only a post of you in that moment but then whatever it is you're looking at. So whether it's your laptop in front of you or a coffee mug or, you know, whatever that might be. And for a lot of people, that sounds terrifying. Mm -hmm. But I think it's been catching on at a steady but slow rate. And I, I do think it is sort of indicative of what we were talking about earlier is, is people craving authenticity these days. Because we know so much of what gets in front of us in our feeds or even in our daily lives has an element of fake to it. It's not it's just really tough these days to know like if what you're looking at is 100% authentic and real or how much of this has been modified or is just flat out fake. So it is interesting their, their model and what they're doing. And again, they're, they're seeing steady growth, just not like explosive growth. Um, so I think that one would be cool to keep your eyes on. I don't know how well that would pan out for, you know, independent publishers per se, but you never know. Somebody, you know, smarter than you and I could say, oh, that's going to work great for my 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 brand or the authors I work with. But um, outside of that, you know, there are others like Caffeine is another one um, that's kind of on the come up, but I'm still not hearing a ton about it. Um, I think it really just goes back to keep your eyes and ears open, mm -hmm. but find one of these big four that works for you, you know? Um, yeah. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to ask about Lulu. So um, in terms of social media marketing and all that, um, you know, what are what does Lulu do that can uh, help uh, indie publishers and, and author publishers? Yeah, this is a bit of a loaded question when it comes to marketing, because uh, we don't currently offer any paid marketing services. And in fact, we tried that for a while. It didn't end very well for us um, for lots of reasons. Again, another conversation. But uh, so what we did is is we stopped doing that or, or providing that as an extra service. Um, and, and quite frankly, we, we were contracting with somebody. So what we've done is over the last few years, we've really just tried to focus on what our core strong suits were, you know, self-publishing and direct sales at scale. Um, but in doing so, we recognize the fact that marketing is, if not the hardest, one of the hardest parts of, you know, uh, being a small business owner or being an independent creator or an independent publisher and trying to compete with all of the other, you know, publishers and books and white noise that are out there in the space. And so we, we did want to solve to that. And so we still constantly produce free content and resources around marketing and sales. I, my whole entire marketing team, we actually spend about 70% of our time creating these resources for our users. Um, versus, you know, the 30% we might spend actually marketing our brand and trying to acquire new users, probably to our detriment sometimes. But nonetheless, I think it works out well in the end, because I think people respect the idea that we, you know, our business doesn't grow if theirs doesn't, we only get paid when they sell books. So we want to try and facilitate that as best as possible. Uh, so we do create a lot of content that is free, uh, basically, for the purpose of helping people navigate social media and other marketing channels. Um, we have a massive library of videos and tutorials on our YouTube channel. We've got an extensive catalog of marketing content on our blog. We do a pretty solid monthly cadence of free webinars where we will also partner with other entities, uh, either in the publishing industry or the marketing world. Um, and again, with our focus on direct sales at this point, 
We also have a lot of new content we've been creating and partnering with on how to achieve a direct sales pipeline for your brand or or your purpose. So, uh, and if none of that actually works for you, if if uh, we have a partners page where we've got some really great freelancers and other people we've met out there in the world, um, and we just kind of put their info up there. So if you want to connect with somebody who does that, um, we've got some of that there for you. So yeah. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, everyone should definitely check out Lulu at lulu.com, L-U-L-U.com. I, I know when I put it in, sometimes Lululemon comes up and I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want pants. I want this is publishing. Um, so uh, thank you, Matt. This was excellent information. I'm actually going to have to go back myself and kind of take some notes and write some of those uh, down. Um, and uh, we really appreciate everyone for listening uh, to the podcast. It comes out the last Thursday of every month. Um, and uh, it's sponsored by IBPA, uh, the company that I work for. Uh, so check out ibpa-online.org so you can learn about becoming a member. Um, we have a lot of amazing services for independent publishers and author publishers. And uh, again, Matt, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This was very helpful. Thank you, Christopher. I enjoyed it. <laughs>